Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about both Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, and How to Blow Up a Pipeline, because that's just what we do here. Uh, joining me today, we would never make her go to New Jersey against her will. It's our old friend, <laughs> Hannah Couture. Hannah, are you excited to go back to middle school with me? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, uh, it's, it's, you know, even people in their thirties, uh, you know, they like to just like, they, they like to look back not so fondly on middle school. So I think it's kind of fitting that like, Hey, we have a movie to talk about, about that, that I think is, you know, honestly, like made me feel a lot better than you would think we typically think of like, you know, just revisiting middle school would like, just, you know, feel good in a way that say something like, you know, maybe eighth grade was it, even though I really like that movie, you know, yeah. um, are you there? God, it's me. Margaret is adapted from the 1970 novel of the same name by the writer, Judy Bloom. The film is written and directed by Kelly Fremont Craig, who inexplicably has not had a movie released since 2016's Yes or 17, a movie that both Hannah and I are very fond of. The film follows a 12-year-old girl named Margaret Simon, played by Abby Ryder Fortson, who has gotten to that point, who to that point in her life had grown up in New York City. She comes back from summer camp right before she's about to start sixth or seventh grade. And, uh, and all of a sudden finds that her family is moving to New Jersey because they need some literal space. They want to get a big house and some figurative space from her grandma played by Kathy Bates. Uh, her parents, Herb and Barbara are played by Benny Safdie and Rachel McAdams. And, uh, as, as Margaret kind of gets into her uh, new community and makes new friends, she kind of goes through a bunch of the typical tumult you might expect of a, a 12 year old girl having to face and the movie just follows her through this period of her life or as does the book but you know the movie is based on that book uh hannah we talked about this movie a little bit earlier this year and the first thing you said was i actually did read that book once when i was like 12 and i surprisingly remember a lot of it so i want to know like why do you think uh this this book before we even get into the movie why do you think this story stuck with you and i guess it probably has something to do with the time in your life in which you read it but what do you, what, what about the book do you think made it so seared into your brain well, I, I think I was actually younger. I think I was like maybe nine. I want to say I was oh, in wow. third grade. So I think that is part of it is that when you read a book like this before any of this stuff has happened to you, <laughs> you're like, this is a horror story. <laughs> it's one of those books that I think a lot of women, you know, for more than 50 years now has always been very popular. And I think a lot of women read when they're young and men too, but I'm going to assume you haven't read it. No, I haven't. And it's not even that like I would have like been opposed to reading something like that if you put it in front of me. Like I I mean, I read I read tons of like Nancy Drew books. I read yeah. a wrinkle I read a wrinkle in time. Um I, My I, I, I yeah, I which we've talked about before, but like I I so I've read certain movies or certain, I've read certain books that had female protagonists when I was that young. You know, and it's funny, like we can get into like, you know, the Judy Bloom and her as a controversial figure with in certain circles and all. And I wonder like I'm sure my mom read it because my mom was a voracious reader when she was young and born in 1962. And I think she thought she had read it, but like she just couldn't, it had been a while. And, but like, again, I grew up in Pensacola, Florida and mm. I, uh, I literally went to school in, in like, and like at some point in high school, we were literally given abstinence cards. So I would not be surprised if stuff like this was kind of shielded from me, but like, I, it's, I find it interesting what you're saying about like when you're nine, when you're just like well before all that stuff, it might have somewhat of a traumatic effect on you. And I'm because, you know, as I kind of hinted at, she's going through a lot of the stuff young girls do. The, the, the film deals with, you know, boys, it deals with, you know, menstruation, it deals with uh, just feeling like you need space from your parents, like typical teenage girl stuff. But I'm wondering, like, because I was curious to ask you, because I guess I really never had that conversation with like, because I just never really consumed media that dealt with this specific thing before. Like, is it something like where like, where you're nine, like, 
getting your periods not even on your mind, but when you're 12, like the movie gets at something that's true about that, where you're actually excited about it. So it might really make a big difference if you read it like in those three years on one end of those three years. I definitely think it's probably a different experience if you read it closer to actually hitting puberty. Mm-hmm. Uh, excited is not the word that I would use, which is actually something I want to talk about, mm. like in from in the movie and the book, something where I was always like, it's weird that she feels that way. But mm. but yeah, so it's it's one of those books that I think a lot of people read when they're young and scenes there are i mean it's a very famous book so there are several famous moments in it some of which were in the trailer and i was like oh i remember that it's one of those things that i think is a lot of people's like first or like an early exposure to a lot of those themes whether it be you know puberty or like you said like starting to like disagree with your parents or the religious aspect of it which even though it's in the title was something that i guess when i read it that was something that was like maybe less relevant to me or something I wasn't thinking about as much. That was something I was really struck by in the movie adaptation is how much it gets into the religious backgrounds of her parents and uh, something that I don't remember if it's in the book as strongly is the fact that her mom's parents like straight up disowned her over religious differences, which is like, you know, in it's like a difficult conversation to have, but that is a an important thing I think for kids to know about you know, that yeah, just, that kind of prejudice is always yeah. going to be around. That, uh, yeah, that's just maybe something from the book. If it was there, it just didn't stick with you as much maybe as the other stuff. It might have gone over my head, yeah, at the well, time. That too, yeah. And like, I mean, I actually have some, a similar a similar thing ha- of like that happened in my family with like respect to my grandma who uh, was not raised Jewish, but married my grandpa who was. Uh, and so like, I, I feel like I, I remember my mom telling me about that when I, around the time I was in middle school. So I might've been more acutely aware and picked up on something like that if I mm-hmm. kind of consumed it at the time, but I just like, I it just wasn't necessarily something that like I, I, I was expecting to happen in this movie. And I, it was weird. Cause like the, early in the movie, they, they're like, uh, then they make a reference to Kat, the, the grandma played by Kathy Bates. I think her name is Sylvia maybe. Sylvia, uh, yeah. yeah. And she's like, it, Oh, it's so no, actually it was. So I don't know if this is going to be at the one that like most of the people listening to this are going to hear, but I, I'm, since we saw the early one, we saw this thing with Judy Bloom reading an excerpt mm-hmm. from the book. So she is reading it and, it was either in the thing she read or at a in a voiceover at the beginning of the movie where you were hearing it from Margaret's perspective talking about, like, yeah, I don't know why my grandma is like so interested in me, like, you know, getting a boyfriend and if he's Jewish or not. I didn't know if that meant like the grandma was the way Jewish. She wanted her to meet a nice Jewish boy. The grandma wasn't Jewish and didn't want her associating with someone that wasn't Jewish. So I kind of clocked that in the, in the early in the movie. And then I saw Benny Safdie. I'm like, they're making him look awfully Jewy in this. Like, they're just like, <laughs> give it, they're really playing up with what he, the fro, he, the afro, the Jew fro he has going on. I'm like, so I was just like waiting for like the, the actual religion part to become up to start to play a part in it it, it, it certainly did later on I'm, I'm curious though as someone that like kind of was thinking about these things as you kind of reflected on your reading of the book uh judy bloom talked about in some interviews that i've seen I, and i meant to i just i had a long day at work uh i wanted to watch part of that documentary and i didn't get to it um yeah, i haven't seen it better. yet either I, so I, I don't know, like, you know, I, I, maybe she goes into a little more detail there about like why she has not had too many of her things get adapted. Uh, I know she's very particular about it. Only a, a couple of different things, a couple of TV shows in the nineties, I guess, from a couple of series she did and maybe like one TV movie and that's it. And this was one she was like almost never going to like, she, this was, this was one she held very near and dear. And uh, James L. Brooks, who produced Edge of 17 with Kelly Freeman Craig, like, like, I guess somehow had an in to like get to 
actually get, get their foot in the door with her to pitch her on doing it. And she, she agreed to let them do it. And I'm and like, literally like, I think they flew down to Key West. Judy Bloom just like hangs out in Key West. That's where she lives. Mm-hmm. And she's on a promotional tour like she is now, um, which I just think is hilarious. It's such a weird place. And they, they got her to do it. So I'm curious, like, what did, what did you think when you found, oh, they're actually going to put this on screen or I think it had been off your radar for a bit when the trailer dropped. So maybe that kind of answered your questions as to how it was going to look. But like, when you, when you hear that or like, what, what, what are the things that you're thinking like, oh, this is either a challenge or like, I'm most excited to see how they do this. Cause this is a very specific time and place in which it is set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, well, I remember when the trailer came out, you sent me a message about it and I was like, I guess I knew that they were doing this, but had forgotten, but it looks really good. It is, it is surprising that Judy Bloom's work has not been adapted more or that it took that long for there to be an adaptation of this, which is her most famous book. I would assume the one most people have read. Um, yeah, I was curious about the casting. Like, I think I've seen some people react and be like, oh, like Rachel McAdams is playing like the mom of teenagers now. But I think 43. So it's like, I know. <laughs> well, people forget that in Mean Girls, she was like 27. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was one of those things where it's like, I'm glad that they're doing it. I'm glad that they're keeping it set in 1970 mm. because I think I would not be surprised if there had been attempts to make it before or people pitching a more modern update of it that I just Mm. am not sure would work in the same way just because the way we talk about a lot of things has changed you know since 1970 so um but I you know I thought the trailer was very promising uh, when it came out earlier this year and I liked the movie a lot I thought you know obviously I haven't read the book in like 22 years but it (laughs) seemed like a faithful adaptation from what I remember well, you want to know what I liked most about it, I think, overall, and that, like, you know, again, I'm open to this kind of entertainment, and, but, like, this is, like, and again, I think, honestly, Edge of 17 might be one of my 10 favorite movies of the last 10 years, and I was, so I was, like, very excited for it, but at the same time, like, I saw Edge of 17, which is when I was 25, like, so as a 25 year old watching a movie about a 17 year old, now I'm a 32 year old watching a movie about a 12 year old. <laughs> right. And I'm like, is this going to feel a little too foreign for me? And I knew like about the puberty stuff and I'm like, I'm happy for content like that to exist, but am I just going to be too uncomfortable? Not because like, I don't think like someone should be making that art, but like, I'm just generally not a fan of like cringy stuff. I'm like, are they going to be yeah. putting her in like awkward situations? And I mean, I've talked to you a lot about like TV and stuff and like movies over the years, but never that much about comedy on TV. And so like one thing about me is that like, if I'm going to watch something that's like cringy or awkward, like it needs to be executed at like the highest level, like curb your mm-hmm. enthusiasm, anything below that. Like I can't do it. You know, like I can't watch re- that show review. Like I can't, I, I just can't. I'm the, I'm like the that. same way with, yeah, with so cringe like, stuff. And not that that's exactly what this is going for, but if nothing else, I knew like they're going to put, be putting some awkward situations on screen. It's not cringe comedy in the same way, but like, you know, certain kinds of things when you watch, you got to like watch through your fingers, you know? And I'm like, am I going to feel like that as I'm watching this movie when this teenage girl is being, or preteen girl is being put in these situations. And I honestly didn't feel that way for a second. I smiled the whole freaking movie. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know how they did that. Like I, 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 every time I've ever, ever seen a spin the bottle scene in a movie, like uh-huh. what was the last time one of those happened and you like, didn't just want to run from the room. Oh, I mean, the second, the second that they cut to the shot of the bottle, I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh, like, no. I thought that was like actually executed pretty well and not in the way I was like worried it would be in a way. I don't know how, but like they made it like, like palatable for me in a way I, I, I yeah. can't even explain well I'm the same way with cringe comedy mm-hmm. stuff which like you said this is not that exactly mm-hmm. there were a couple moments and maybe this is just you know me having once been a 12 year old girl mm-hmm. there were a couple moments where I was like oh god I cannot oh, okay. watch this <laughs> like mm-hmm. some of the stuff of her dynamic with Nancy who is mm-hmm. 
her neighbor who is like the leader of their friend group that she ends up just kind of by default because she doesn't know anybody else. Mm -hmm. And this is a problem, not a problem, but like I feel like especially as I have gotten older now, anytime I watch something about teenagers, I often have that moment where I'm like, you don't have to be friends with this person. You don't have to do this. It's like you can. But of course, when you're 12, you feel like you do have to. Yeah. If you're a new kid you know, in the neighborhood and someone joins you to a secret club, what are you going to say? You but, know? Right. And especially, you know, in a, in a time before the Internet, where yeah, what else are you going to do with yeah, your time? Exactly. Um, but like, I, I think that's interesting that you picked up on that. I mean, it, it, jumping ahead to later in the movie a little bit, because I think one of the most notable scenes in the movie to me, and I'm assuming it's pretty straight out of the book, is when is, is when Nancy gets her period. Mm-hmm. and like that's she's already... exactly as it happens in the book from what okay. i remember so okay so i g- giving judy bloom more credit for that than the filmmakers though again I, I think it was well executed but you know at that point she is already told uh she's already told uh margaret that she got her period so they're out they're out on this thing in new york and like she is like very upset by it it's it's depi- and I, i'm not sure if like you said you wanted to talk a little bit more about how that's depicted or how the girls are anticipating getting their periods but she is very upset by it and in that moment I because at that moment, like they had the scene where they started their secret club and they made rules. And the rule that Margaret proposed was we got to show our boys we have crushes list every meeting and we have to be honest about it. And then she defaults and uh, when they have the meeting because she has a crush on like uh, Nancy's brother's friend and everyone else has a p- crush on the popular kid. She's like, oh, they're going to make fun of me if I don't also this. So I'm going to lie. So she has broken the rule. And in that moment where Nancy is like very upset about getting her period and Margaret realizes she has lied and Nancy's probably kind of ashamed because she now knows that Margaret knows that she lied. I thought like Margaret was going to comfort her and be like, oh, it's okay. I, I broke a rule too. I'm, I'm, I, I still, I still like you and give her a hug. And it's basically the end of their friendship. And I was like, oh, I was like expecting one thing and it went in another direction in a way that's probably kind of true to how you can kind of mm-hmm. lose friends when you're younger. Well, and that was something that I hadn't really remembered either. There's a scene towards the the very end of the movie where they're having like a school festival at the mm-hmm. end of the year and Margaret goes off and starts dancing with this girl. There's a, a girl in their class who is like much taller and much more developed than everyone else. So people like start rumors about her mm-hmm. because they're uncomfortable with the fact that she looks grown up and Margaret has like been mean to her and then they have sort of reconciled and she wants to be friends with her. So Margaret goes off and play with her and then... Janie one of the other girls in their group goes off with them and there's just kind of a shot of Nancy standing in the background and it's just like unresolved which I had forgotten that that's how that happens but also is how that happens Mm. in life yeah you know that's a I appreciate for a movie I mean this is like this is a movie for older kids it's I think it's pg-13 but like for a piece of media aimed at younger people I like that it's not tied up neatly and like oh but we can everything's okay and we can still all be friends because that doesn't always happen yeah i mean there's a like i, I don't think judy bloom was going to be that overbearing where she like i mean i'm sure she might not want a major plot point like you know change necessarily but like that's the kind of thing that gets changed in movies all the time from books like well, a, a plot point plot points much bigger than that get changed all the time so mm-hmm. it's cool that they didn't just make him like you know live happily ever after but it was just like a moment i kind of clocked that i was like oh i thought i knew exactly where this is going they did something else and like Heck, there's kids that like who's who I hung out with all the time in sixth grade who I wasn't hanging out with by the time I got to eighth grade or whatever. Right. You know, it's 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 it, it just kind of yeah, it's 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 just kind of the way that, that that thing goes. I'm curious, uh, backing up for a second, uh, to ask you about the home front a little bit, and uh, I just like you know, I m- mentioned Rachel McAdams a bit. I thought she like you know, I mean, she looks really incredible for 44, but she is 44, so it makes sense that like you can you can give her a mom role uh, of a 12 year old. And I, I, I quite enjoyed her. Uh, Benny Safdie has like popped up in other stuff since good time. I think he's a, a pretty capable actor and it's just funny. Like 
because a couple of the other things he's done, it's like what I think of like good time and licorice pizza. And I feel like I'm forgetting like one other thing. It's like, so it's just like very distinct types of things he has shown up in, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think he acted in some of their earlier movies from before Good Time, but like I don't remember them as well. And so it's like it's it's I, I mean I thought I really enjoyed them as the parents. What did you think about just like how it kind of depicted this girl like kind of rubbing up against like these her parents that if like kind of forced this life choice upon her? Well, I think one thing that I was thinking about seeing this as an adult is that when I read the book as a kid, I think I did not really have the context of like new york city versus the suburbs oh yeah <laughs> you know i had never been to new york at that point and i think i didn't really understand what a drastic change that would be mm. so it, it you know like a lot of things in this story it's interesting to watch it as an adult but i now I that like, you're now that your person has been to new york multiple times i'm sure you're horrified on her behalf <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i i mean new jersey's not that far away uh but um, i know people who live in new jersey and are in new york all the time but um <laughs> It's interesting um, I, that they emphasize that it's in some ways different because she's an only child, mm. that it is maybe more traumatic for her because really it seems like, I mean, she mentions like, oh, I'll have to leave all my friends who I go to school with, but we never see those friends. So it does seem like she spends most of her time with her parents and her grandma and that this move is going to change that dynamic, obviously, and that she's not going to be seeing her grandma much at all. And her parents are going to be busy with other things. So yeah, I don't know. I really like, I really like, especially Rachel McAdams, I think is great in this. Like I said, maybe not super obvious casting, but I think was the correct choice now having seen the movie. Yeah. Um, it asked her to do a lot of interesting stuff. When you think of like a movie about like a young adult or a, a girl, a child of that age, like you, you don't typically think of the parents parent roles or characters as being like as having as much going on as she does in that movie mm -hmm. and i think it's it, i think it's very interesting and i, I mean again i I know, I know you said you didn't necessarily remember the stuff with her parents that much from the book so i don't know if they made it more prominently featured but like it's interesting to like give a give a parent like that substantive of a b-plot in a movie like this it's it's and i thought like it was handled very well yeah, I like that a lot. I think one of the best scenes in the movie is when Margaret says, um, why don't I, why have I never met my other grandparents? Oof, yeah. Because um, her teacher has asked her about it and she's like, oh, I don't know them. Like it has kind of just occurred to her that that might be kind of an odd thing. Teacher's really doing the most though. Uh, he He's doing a lot. Um, <laughs> it's like maybe not, none of his business. But um, so she, Margaret asks her mom and Rachel McAdams has this great scene where she's, she says like well uh when i started dating your dad it, my parents are very devout christians they were not comfortable with the fact that he was jewish and they told me that if we got married i wouldn't be their daughter anymore which is so devastating and she says it like she starts crying but she still she says it kind of casually like she's trying to be like hold it together for you it's okay like this is we have a great life that we have made and that is something that happened to me and you know it's going to be okay like it's a very it, it's a it, it's a very dark scene to have in a movie like this kind of unexpectedly, but I thought, you know, there's true to life and that like, you never know when you're going to find out that your parents are people too. And, exactly. Uh, or that just, there's some horrifying stuff in your family background that just people mention out of nowhere. And you're like, rewind that for me. Hold on. 
or just even like whenever you like get confronted with like an adult problem like that when you're that age. Uh, I guess I was uh, I was 13 when my family uh, lost our house in Hurricane Ivan. So like it was it was traumatic for 13 year old me for my own reasons in that like I was the only one in the family at the room on the first floor of the house, and it was the mm. first floor of the house that got washed out. Like the house had to be total because of the support teams going out, but like everyone else in the family like had the stuff on the on the second floor, their their personal stuff on the second floor except for me. So I was kind of traumatized by that, but like at the same time like. I was very fortunate to come from a family that could afford to like f get a new house pretty quickly or whatever. And I saw so I was sheltered by some of like the actual real world implications of like the financial burden that might've fallen on my family or, uh, or in just the stress that came along with that. My parents, like I had great parents, they did a great job of probably protecting me from some of the more like scary, some of the more scary consequences of losing a house like that. But at the same time, like, I think I, I, I have small memories of like, you know, maybe some of that frustration and stress, like kind of breaking through the facade that my parents put on and did such a good job of protecting mm -hmm. my brother and I from. So it's like, I, I think it's like, it's, it's really interesting to see like, you know, as opposed to just telling something almost exclusively from the kid's point of view. So, so single-mindedly from that point of view, you know, it's like in what is some like somewhat of like a lighthearted movie. Cause I should say like, you know, um, as I'm sitting here saying this, I'm thinking a little bit, did you see Armageddon time last year? Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's one where it's like the parents are kind of featured in it, but like not in the same way. You know what I mean? Like you, 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 you see them really through the eyes of the kids and you a little bit of what's kind of going on in their past. And I guess it is kind of similar, but like, I don't know, like if, if it was, it, it, this felt a little different in that, like that whole movie is pretty dark and serious, even if there's a couple of comedic uh, moments, whereas here it's like, this is mostly light. And then all of a sudden, like some of the darkness comes through in a way that like does feel pretty true to a kid that like might have a, a little bit more of a happy go lucky setup than like the kid that has abusive parents in Armageddon time. You know, it, it, it was just a different way of showing that than you often see in movies. Well, and I think is kind of the thing that people appreciate about Judy Bloom's work. Mm -hmm. I have not read a ton. I think I maybe read one other Judy Bloom book, but I know that, you know, a, uh, she's written some stuff for younger kids and some stuff for adults, but like her, mm -hmm. her, mo her best known work is for teenagers and young adults. And I think, you know, part of the reason why she has been controversial and people have tried to get her books banned or whatever is because her books do deal with, you know, more complicated topics that people might want to keep from teenagers or preteens, but that they shouldn't. And, you know, that's a, that's a good example of that, that very complicated family dynamic, you know, yeah. Yeah. being a major part of what, like you said, is, is a, a comedy still, but yeah, it's still about real people's lives. Yeah. So who knows, maybe, maybe parents just don't want their kids like, you know, uh, thinking for themselves that much at, at all, let alone, you know, like having to think about menstruation. Well, I mean, um, but like, she's not even get into that, but yes. Yeah, no, I mean, but like, who knows? I mean, I, I don't, I don't feel like her, she, she is, she has spoken out some about this stuff in the last few months because she's already been on this promotional tour a little bit for that documentary and then the movie some. So, and there's this, all this book banning going on around there, but like, yeah. I don't know if this is the kind of stuff that's like being quite the, uh, you know, the object of the scorn for that book banning crowd, this go round. Cause unfortunately they're focused more on like any book that mentions black people, uh, uh -huh. you know? So, I mean, I, I think she has been a little outspoken in some of that stuff and just being like, yeah, I, I, I can kind of relate to it cause it was going on a while ago and like, let's, let, let's not do that. So yeah, I mean, good for her, but like, I think, uh, you know, it, it, it is kind of crazy to think like a movie like that, honestly, all things considered feels pretty wholesome was there. And, and who knows, maybe, and, and maybe this particular one might've like received some criticism back in the day. I haven't, can't say I've done a lot of reading about like what, what the specific protests of her work were back I then. I want to like, say, I don't know for sure. I mean, I think the most controversial aspect of this is the puberty stuff, just because people gonna, are always weird about that. I was but curious I about think, the religion stuff too. I, I Well, that's what I was going to say. I, I think that maybe closer to when it first came out, that was maybe more controversial than it 
mm. would be now. Yeah, um, which is interesting. Like the scene talking about interfaith relationships at all. <laughs> well, yeah, and like I, you know, who knows? Maybe back then, like that climactic dinner scene with all the parents there, uh, which I thought was just like incredible because it was freaking hilarious. Like Kathy Bates is like saying "lachaim" multiple, multiple times at, <laughs> yeah. at, at Barbara's parents. Like that just I lost it. I mean, I don't know how like my, my screening was really only like nine people and they probably like, but who's this kid that's laughing every time like Kathy Bates talks? It was me. I, I laughed every, literally every time she said just funny. about anything. I mean, like I laughed before she even reacted when Margaret asked her if she can go to Temple. Like I was like, oh my God, like that's going like, to leaps up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I knew it was coming. And like they, they did a good job of like kind of just planting the seed that you knew that would be the kind of thing that she would get very excited about. Even if she'd really only mentioned Judaism like once, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. Uh, so it's like, I just thought that that scene was really incredible and like hilarious and honestly kind of, but also like, kind of sad because of like these people like again like margaret should not be put in that situation it just it, it accomplished a lot of things at once and i was very impressed yeah i, I that scene is very funny and mm -hmm. it is kind of an accomplishment that that a storyline like that could wrap up in a kind of amusing way because mm -hmm. it is sort of it's it's very upsetting there for a while the whole thing about her parents wanting to come visit and you know so Margaret's dad is like, are you sure you want to be associated with these people at all? I'm like, I'm sitting there watching what it. What they in did to him. Yeah. You know, watching it in this day and age being like, you don't have to give these people an inch, like <laughs> these bigots, like you don't have to let them in your house. Like it's, it's a lot of really complicated stuff. And then you don't have to let them stay with you. They could get a hotel. You know? Well, I also had that thought. <laughs> they show up with the suitcases and i was like maybe start with dinner what, what, what did you yeah. think of like maybe it's maybe maybe it's fairly straight from the book because i'm it's I'm, I'm i'm assuming just about all the books is from margaret's point of view what do you think of the scenes where she talks to god like what do you make of that and where they ultimately like get her with religion because to me it's it, I, I i i wasn't always sure what the make of it is it was going on in the movie because i'm like i you know i i kind of remember talking to god a little bit as a kid i don't you know because like you have a simple-minded view of it you're trying to make sense of what's going on around you like is it as simple as like trying to talk to this like thing thing you can't really wrap your head around to like get order in your life and uh and like but like i'm wondering like because the movie like has more on its mind with respect to religion than just that so what did you think of like just like the scenes where it's like margaret just like talking to god I do appreciate how, I mean, because Margaret is 11 and then turns 12, I guess, over the course of the movie, mm. which really is the age where you maybe start to go like, hold on, maybe whatever mm. religion I was raised in mm -hmm. is not exactly it. And then, I, you know, if you're raised without religion, you go, well, hold on, maybe that's not it either. <laughs> and I like how it sort of, she sort of approaches it as like a checklist when she decides that she's going to pick a religion. She's like, I'm going to go to temple with my grandma. I'm going to go to a Catholic, I'm going to go to a Catholic church, one friend, I'm going to go, you know, she goes black to like three different, she goes to a black church, she goes to like three different Christian services, mm -hmm. she's like, I'm going to figure it out, here's the list, <laughs> you know, as if it's as simple as picking <laughs> one, and then one is right, it's a very mm. like, kid thing to do, mm. but I do, yeah, I mean, like I said, that was not an element of it that I really thought about as much when I read the book as a kid, and now, you know, as an adult who no longer has to think about middle school problems like that's the mm -hmm. most interesting aspect of the movie to me yeah um, well i mean i i guess i guess we we, we discussed it a, a little bit earlier and like i mean and and, and i kind of agree with you like i mean it's it's i mean as someone that's like not that religious i kind of thought about it. it it's interesting how like secondary those scenes are for me to everything else and that like it, probably because she ultimately doesn't really come down on like one way or the other on religion it's just a thing she's figuring out and it's just not a, a super important part of my life so i guess i didn't really dwell on it too much but i felt like i needed to like 
pay a little lip service to it, but like I thought the way in which they did it made sense. But I am also curious because I think more of the meat of the movie is is kind of like in that puberty stuff. We talked a little bit about that Nancy scene, and I'm I'm curious though, like wh- what did you think about like the the ways in which they depicted how these girls talked about those issues, whether it be you know like getting a bra or whether or not they like you know they had grown into needing a bra or uh, how important it was to them to like actually like get their periods like and doing it all in the context of like to a certain extent within the secret club uh what do you think about like just uh these girls and seeing them kind of like you know try and figure things out in that regard the bra scene is so funny where they all they're they've decided that the rules that they all have to get bras <laughs> and margaret goes to buy one and the salesperson is like well there's nothing there so get this grow bra that will grow oh, with God, you and yeah. then they and then they get they get to the meeting and they're all like, "What kind of bra did you get?" And they all have the same one because none of them have boobs. Like that really made me laugh. Except for Nancy. Nancy's very like, proud of what I don't remember it, what size it was, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was one of those things where like this might just be a it might be a difference in the time period. It might just be like a personality thing. I remember being that age and being like, "Nobody look at me. I don't want to have to wear me. <laughs> like I don't want." any of this to happen to me I don't want to have to wear a bra it's so embarrassing I never want to talk about this so it's funny to see this movie is like the premise of this movie is like we're obsessed with this and we're going to talk about it all the time and also that's not the thing that like you know even in 20 2005 or whatever when I was that age or 2004 like that's not the kind of thing guys talk to girls about at that age you know what no. I mean? they're not asking them about their bras when you're just like in seventh grade or whatever though I mean I feel like once I was like you know once I was like older, it's like I'm around women enough who are talking about how they don't like bras because they are so uncomfortable. So, like, so, so I was just like kind of like thrown off and watching the movie. Like, oh, that's a thing that they were very excited to get. I've just always heard that they're just a pain. And her mom even says the same thing. She's like, "You sure they're not really? Enjoy they don't really feel that good." Can, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like a little thrown off by that. I'm like, I, at the same time, I kind of get the desire to like get a little older, and that's like some kind of sign of it. But at the same time, again, I'm someone that like you know it's the same thing with the periods like that's just not something that like a 12 year old guy is or should be privy to like hear about like that's not yeah. really any of their business but then like i'm old enough to like you know once i'm older it's like i hear women talk about like hey that time of the month's not so fun so then i'm watching this movie i'm like oh there's like some desire to be there so how did that strike you as someone i get it you read the book when you were nine it was a little foreign to you then looking back on it and remembering when you were that age how does it strike you now to like watch girls that are like excited to go through those changes in a way seeing it now yeah as a kid i remember being kind of baffled by that because i was Mm -hmm. like well i don't want anything to do with that Mm -hmm. no thank you and then watching it now i'm like i understand the point of view of a kid that age like very much wanting to be a grown-up and you're like well that's one concrete way that you can say that you are more grown up. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I understand that. Although it, I mean, it's just funny how also when the, what's her name? Gretchen, the, the first girl in the friend group who gets her period and they're like, mm-hmm. tell us everything. And she's like, <laughs> mm, kind of hurts a little bit. And there's not really that much to tell. And they're like, there has to be more. <laughs> and she's like, no, that's it. I really like, like that actress. She was good. She oh. was very funny. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things where like when, in the bra too like when you're a kid you build it up in your mind as this huge thing and then you're an adult and you don't really think about it but what i'll say for kelly freeman craig is that like i really appreciated her uh i don't know i I just think this stuff worked for me in a way i again this is the stuff we're talking about now that i was expecting to just like feel really uncomfortable with and i think it's just that she does like a really good job of like making it feel like it's more than like some kind of cheap joke or something where it's like Mm -hmm. you're just laughing at the characters it's like i don't know it's it's smaller stakes stuff 
that like she does a good job of like making it feel like it has the gravity of something more than that, which I, is kind of what happens in the edge of 17, which is honestly even smaller stakes than this in some ways, because it's just yeah. a girl freaking out about a guy basically, or about her brother dating her friend, which I mean, it's again, incredible movie, but it's like, you know, you're, you're with her with it. You feel that you feel that the stakes are real for her. And here, I think you just feel that like these girls, like it really means a lot to them, even though at the end of the day, like, you know, we're like the highest stakes thing, arguably that happens in this movie, aside from that, the, the family blow up is probably just like that. They're mean to that girl. There's nothing else in that thing that really has any, like serious serious consequences and uh and even that gets rectified you know i, I just think like they, they do a really good job with the storytelling of like just making you feel like this is something that like just truly matters to them so it's like all right if it's this important to them i probably shouldn't look away i think is yeah, might have been my work for me that's a, that's a good point it's it's never condescending mm-hmm. you can you can watch it and be like well this is kind of silly and they don't actually know what they're talking about but then you remember like what being 12 is like and mm-hmm. so it's like you know you're like, oh, okay, I I understand what they're doing, and like, it's honestly very sweet that they're acting like this. You know, it's never it's never making fun of them. Yeah. So what, what um I, I mentioned so the girl that plays Gretchen, her name's Catherine uh, Kupfer, but we didn't really talk that much about the performances yet. I don't know if there's a ton to say. I think they're very good. I didn't realize until after I saw the movie that we've technically talked about an Abby Ryder Fortson movie. She's before, an Ant Man. Ant Man in the Wasp, yeah. which we talked about. She plays the Ant Man, the, the younger Cassie in the first two movies, and she's actually like you know a pretty a TV veteran of other things I'd seen. I just and didn't remember like, Togetherness, which I did. Well, I watched that show. I watched yeah, Transparent. I watched she's too. on both of those. So like she's like been in a lot of stuff. So it's not. Like, I, for some reason, I went in thinking it was one of those now introducing blah, blah, blah. No, like they, they I mean, I'm sure she probably auditioned. I'm sure they saw a bunch of potential Margarets, but they found one. And like, I, I don't know. I just really enjoyed her. Like, I thought like, you know, it wasn't like, I mean, something like that would be really noticeable if like it wasn't a good actress. And I thought yeah. like she did a good job of like, just like, even in quieter moments, you know, it's not just all like, I, I think maybe I went into it as someone that didn't read the book, maybe thinking it was going to be like, this girl was just throwing a temper tantrum, like a stereotypical teenager the whole time. Like maybe I thought that would be a bigger part of it. Whereas like, no, a lot of it is just like her reacting to stuff and like just being put in like these situations. And you have to, a lot of it is just on her face, maybe even more so than I would have expected. Yeah. I think she's really good. And mm-hmm. I, I like how she is sort of that. We talked a little bit about her relationship with her parents earlier that, mm-hmm. that, it, that specific, like, older child dynamic of like a kid who hangs out with adults a lot Hmm. you know so she is kind of trying to act old and like I am not an only child but I was six years older than my sister so I remember being an only child and there Hmm. is that kind of thing of like yeah I remember like when I was just like hanging out with my mom and dad and their friends and you're like trying to act like a grown-up you know (laughs) like Hmm. So, yeah, I guess I guess you, 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 you do pick up on like, you know, knowing when to be quiet, maybe a little bit more and observant. And I think like there are moments where I really did feel like I was seeing her just be observant. And, or you just and be so like, I do not want these people to think that I'm a little kid, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, she wants to. She wants to kind of hang in in some of those moments, and I think uh, does a pretty good job of it. Uh, I think you were uh, you you really picked up on the fact that you would not have wanted to be been friends with Nancy. I think that's probably a no, compliment to that. I was actress. very stressed out by Nancy. Yeah, no, she was good. <laughs> <laughs> Even today at thirty, I was like, I could not hang out with this kid. I I I I, I liked her. I, I I liked the um. I mean, there, there was. The, I I honestly like kind of liked the. The scene, like I said, this the spin the bottle scene or the seven minutes in heaven scene, like that didn't bother me as much as I thought I was going to. And I think like I wanted to give credit, like in that one small scene, to the kid that played the popular kid that like she had to kiss. Like I kind of I don't know why, like something about it, like like the the way in which she handled that in a way that like wasn't creepy. He's like, let's just get it over with, and like, but was confident and nice about it. Like I I I feel like that went a long way towards like making that moment not as like 
dread dreadful as I expected it to be. Like, I, I just think like, it's so easy, like to see people punt on like getting good kid actors. And, but I guess you can't make this movie unless you're going to like get it right. And I think I, mm. I really, I really think they did for the most part. So I just wanted to kind of like shout that out. Were there any, any other performances or anything else like that, that we didn't touch on in that regard that you wanted to at least like highlight for a second. I just related to that scene. Something mm-hmm. that I liked about that too, was mm-hmm. that, that, the spin the bottle thing takes mm-hmm. place at this party, this kid's birthday party. Mm-hmm. And he's like the weird kid that everybody kind of makes fun of. And he invites mm. the whole class that he's going to have like a fancy dinner party. But they all birthday. got excited about it. So right. And you're, you like, you hear that and you're like, Oh no, but then they get there and they all just have a nice time. And they're like, <laughs> Oh, there's no reason we can't be friends with him. Yeah. You're just conditioned to think that like something like that is just going to be terrible in this movie. And it's another example of them, like, you know, making that, making things take a turn in a way that I, I appreciated. Uh, I mean, also kind of going off of that, um, them getting all dressed up um, and then just like them kind of like being in another, in, in another house like that. Cause the, the, the Simon house is like, as a running joke is not decorated at all through like most of the movie until the parents get there at the end. Yeah, like, there's so no they, furniture. They, there's like nothing in it. Uh, did you have any other thoughts on like how they recreated the seventies uh, in, in a way? Cause I mean, I, I feel like it's a time period we, we don't visit that much in movies these days, especially the suburbs like that. Uh, how did you feel they did in doing that? Not that like we were there, but like, <laughs> how did you, how did it make it, did it feel authentic to you? Even if we can't I mean, really it looked, I thought it looked, I thought it looked really good. I liked, you know, I, I, I liked everything that Rachel McAdams wore. because yeah. Well, she's styled very specifically because she's supposed to be like, Artie. you know, kind of a hippie mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like the contrast between her and like the Nancy's mom, who's like the head of the PTA or whatever, mm-hmm. and has is dressed like more kind of conservative, like 60s mm-hmm. style. Like I thought, you know, I'm not an expert, but I thought that all of the costumes were very well done. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate it. Like, I mean, look, they, they, they got $30 million. I mean, who the hell knows? We're recording this after we've seen one of the early previews. I don't know how the movie's going to do. I hope it makes money. I'm not holding my breath because, I mean, yeah. I'm very cynical about the movies at the moment, given what's going on in my personal movie-going life. So I have no idea. But, like, I, I really hope that, like, you know, I, I think, you know, they made really good use of that money. Like, yeah, all the, all the cars, all the decor, all the costumes, everything. Like, I think it worked. I, I want more people to, you know, get this kind of money to make movies. It's pretty cool that, like, she I think I, th- I think they made Edge of 17 for like $10 million. So cool. Good on them for giving her this money to do it. And I hope it makes more of it. Uh, anything else in Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret, Hannah, that I did not already touch on that you wanted to mention. I think I think we basically covered it. Yeah, um, yeah I, I really liked it. I actually think this episode's, I'm, I'm probably going to put this out pretty close to like when the movie comes out. So who knows how many weekends it's going to get, but like, you know, I hope, uh, hope any, and I, I don't really think we actually really spoiled anything. So someone could have like listened to all this and basically just like, you know, found oh, that like the, hard to spoil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a 52 year old, it's a 53 year old book. And, uh, like it's, it's again, she goes through puberty stuff happens, you know, <laughs> uh, nothing, that nothing all that surprising necessarily. It's just, I think the movie, uh, executes in surprisingly effective ways. And that's why I would encourage everyone to go see it. So, uh, that's our, th- that's our recommendation. Sounds like Hannah and I are both very thumbs up on that movie. And we want, uh, we want, we want everyone to go out and see it. I, I would just, again, reiterate like, yeah, even though I'm a, I, I see just about everything, uh, so I, you know, it's, it, it doesn't mean as much when I go see a movie like this. I think like, I think people like of all ages can find something. Yeah. I, would I say hope that. people see it and I hope, you know, they take their kids to see it. I think it's, it's a good movie for, you know, there aren't a lot of movies. There are lots of movies for like little kids and lots of movies for like teenagers or for everybody. Not a lot um, of movies that are like, I'm for 12 year olds, yeah, <laughs> you know, for, for as for much as people are schoolers. like, for as much as people were like, oh, we need more teen comedies like Edge of 17, like how many like middle school movies can you think of in like the last however many years besides eighth grade? Besides you know? eighth grade. 
which is a different kind of thing. Yeah, which like I, which as I noted at the beginning, like just a totally different vibe from this movie. Like, I mean, that that in that movie, that girl has like a sweet relationship with her dad, and like just about nothing else in that movie is feel good. You know, it's a very stressful movie. <laughs> yeah, in a in a way that this one wasn't, despite the fact that the character is going through some like very Similar stressful stuff. things. It it it, yeah. it it's just executes with a very different vibe, which I appreciate it. Even though I really like eighth grade, also. All right, let's just move, let's just move over to a movie that is a hop, skip, and a jump away thematically. Uh, How to blow up a pipeline. It is the uh, it is the new movie from uh, director Daniel Goldhaber. Uh, he co-wrote the movie with one of its stars, Ariel Bear, uh, and another guy named uh, Jordan Scholl. They adapted it from a 2021 nonfiction educational text written by uh, Andreas Malm. It tells the story of a group of young people who come together from different backgrounds with their own motivation for the common goal of blowing up an oil pipeline in West Texas in order to, you know, send a message about, like, you know, just how uh, we need to change things and how we're treating this world and our, you know, our consumer is our, our consumer tendencies. Um Hannah, I, I well, actually, I was going to ask you, and I, I kind of, we kind of already answered it before we started recording. I was going to ask where you saw this one because I had a fun thing when I went to see this movie, and that, like, again, it wasn't showing at my regular theater. I'm guessing you saw it at your Regal. You probably didn't have to talk to someone when you walked into the theater. Am I correct? I did not. No. Yeah. Buy so those tickets I, at a kiosk. Yeah. So I actually saw, I saw it at a at a at a Cinemark, which I could have used as a kiosk, but like, I remember them just not having good kiosks. So I went up to the the front customer service desk where you can still buy a ticket from a person if you want to. And then as I said it, I felt I had a weird feeling. I was like, mm-hmm. out of, one for how to blow up a pipeline. I was like, I feel a little weird saying this. Um, and I'm like, I don't know if like, I mean, obviously the you don't title your film that unless you want to be provocative in some way and, you know, say something. Uh, I mean, obviously like the movies, you know, this politics priority is not the hidden, but I felt some kind of way about saying I was going to see this movie. Uh, not that I, I'm not someone that's like against climate change, but I'm like, Ooh, what are these people going to think of me that I'm here yeah. saying I'm seeing this movie? Well, that's definitely, you know, on purpose. They, mm-hmm. I remember when the when it the movie premiered at Toronto, I think, seeing like early reactions to it and seeing people be like, am I allowed to Google this? Like, am <laughs> I going to get put on a watch list for mm. trying to find reviews of this movie? So, I mean, they definitely... Kind of, well, it kind of snuck up on me in that, like, I don't actually think I remember, like, it wasn't on my radar when it came out at Toronto for whatever reason. And I think I literally just heard about it when I listened to... Uh, an interview with Lucas Gage like a couple months ago and I'm like oh interesting I don't really know what that is I'll I'll go see it I I, or I didn't even know I was going to see it I, did, I didn't know what it was I just I heard the name of it and I'm like is that a tv show is it a miniseries I, I literally don't know and and then all of a sudden I just started seeing the reviews a couple weeks I'm like it's like oh really good reviews I still didn't really read anything about it before I went to see it I guess I knew it was kind of going to be about some people like probably doing something like that but I had no idea what the vibe of the movie was going to be <laughs> Blowing I, up I, a pipeline. <laughs> I, I never saw a trailer so I, I I guess I just I guess in my head I was like I, I, yeah, it's in the title, but like, is it just like going to be kind of like a political statement movie and nothing else? It's kind of what I thought as I like had this awkward moment when I went in, it's like, is this just their goal to like, you know, know that the title was necessarily literal? Yeah. Well, no, I guess I kind of figured out it was possibly, I didn't think it was going to be like a fully, like, I didn't think it was a metaphor, but like I showed up and I was like, oh, like, you know, is this really just going to be, I I don't think I think, I don't necessarily think I thought it was a documentary, but maybe I thought it was going to be like a docudrama more Mm -hmm. as opposed to what was kind of a heist movie. It's very much a heist movie. Yeah. yeah, So I was just like, I was kind of pleasantly surprised because I had just had this weird sensation walking in. I'm like, is this just like half of the battle right here? Getting someone to like state to another person, I want to see the movie about blowing up a pipeline and just like give their audience that and like have the ticket takers like hear that over and over again. Is that what this is? Is this just a political exercise? So I would say I was just like pleasantly surprised to find that like, even if your politics aren't as radical as that of the movie, 
I think you can still have a fun time with this one. I'm wondering in what way you appreciated it. Cause I know you liked it to some extent at least. Oh yeah, no, I liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I was, you know, like I said, I had read some reviews of it before and it seemed like something I would like, but I think I enjoyed it even more than I thought I was going to, which mm -hmm. I know that there has been some debate about this movie's politics and whether they are radical enough or, you know, progressive enough. And it's like, mm -hmm. is the fact that it is even playing in often, wide release. <laughs> well, that's kind of my thing. It's like, well, probably no, because I saw it at a regal, but <laughs> it, like, it's one of the arguments that like, is the fact that it is often a lot of fun. Does that take away from the message? Does that, you know, emphasize mm. the message? You know, it's, that's, I don't think there's well, like a, a well, solid heard, answer, but. Well, I heard somewhere else that, um, in, I, I in, or maybe it was, I don't think it was in an interview I heard with the filmmaker, maybe it was in a review or something, but like, they basically said that like, you know, implied that like some people were down on, on Kelly Reichardt's night moves because they just thought it like, depicted the whole entire climate movement in like too dour of a way and mm -hmm. and just like and, and like honestly not that like this stuff should be fun but like that like because that that movie is more about the fallout of like a similar attack yeah, kind of i have seen that movie but it's been mm -hmm. a long time yeah i, I rewatched it around when it came out yeah i rewatched it a few years ago in preparation of doing the podcast on first cow and like i and i still did i still had to kind of go back and refresh myself on the wikipedia and it was and it, it was literally like this the thing goes wrong right at the start so some people were like oh like you're kind of just showing the downside and nothing else and here it's like is it almost too fun by like not having enough consequences possibly for like the actions of like the people and it's like i think part of the argument is that like hey like there's a way to maybe do this uh, do this meaning like a, a radical act like this and get a message across but like without hurting people and right. i don't know which if they keep saying yeah. mm -hmm. that they specifically plan it to not only you know not injure any people but they also at one point say like you know they scout they've like they've scouted the area to be like mm -hmm. if we blow up this section that much oil won't even spill onto the ground mm. like they're trying to they're disrupting minimal. they're trying to disrupt it without like harming the people or the earth right they're doing damage to the pipeline but not to any people or land well and i, I what i like too about it is that they there's the group of you know like six or eight people however many of them there are mm -hmm. that each of them has a different specific understandable reason for why they're doing this they all are coming at it from a slightly different angle i want to ask about that because the movie is probably more about the how than the why and it's again that's in the title but like it's interesting because like i really like oceans 11 is one of my five favorite movies of all time i love a good getting the band back together scene or getting the team together scene which is a lot of what this is well it is and it isn't in that like it does it out of order kind of compared to like how some other movies of that ilk do it and that like we keep getting these flashbacks throughout the movie and at very integral times where it seems like the actual what is on screen is like building to like a little boiling point or a figurative boiling mm -hmm. point and all of a sudden we cut and I'm you think that there like, will be an explosion and then it cuts to yeah and, someone's name. And on and on the one hand, like I I I'm very impressed with how like they I'm very impressed because I I thought they really did that all that very efficiently. Like it didn't feel that dragged out. Like one of the things I, I always do is I compare like Ocean's Eleven. It efficiently like does that getting the band back together scene like way quicker than something like Suicide Squad or something like it's <laughs> well, like the, well I know it's it's, it's it's not a hard bar to clear but like there's a way to like make do the getting the band back together a, a, a trope which I love there's a way to do it the wrong way 
And this movie, mm. like, it's actually probably really, really efficient in doing that, in my opinion, with each of those scenes clearly telling you what their motivations are. And most of them, I, I want to ask you about the, uh, the, uh, the, the white people, basically, uh, yeah. but, like, and, and, and what their, what purpose they serve. But like, for the most part, like it does, it's very quick and efficient with it, but it like keeps jumping back at like these very important points. What did you think about doing it that way, as opposed to just like doing it fully chronologically? I mean, I'm, now I'm trying to think about like what it would have looked like if they had done it Ocean's Eleven style. I, well, no, it's, I, I, I'm not even like trying to make a straw man here. I just, it, it's just curious. No, I, it was very different, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it's effective the way it does it. Although I will say, I think that they maybe pull that move one too many times of thinking like something's gonna fall or explode, and then the mm -hmm. hard cut to the title card of the person's name because mm. that that happens two or three times, and I was kind of like, well, now I'm expecting it. Mm, you know yeah. one but, thing i'll say i was in on it from the beginning i'm glad they didn't do that stuff because like i was in on it from the i'm glad that they did it the way they did because like i was in on this movie from the beginning because they yeah. didn't start out slow like that like it's an incredible score and you just really see score yeah and, and you see the uh the uh, how do you pronounce it is it zokti zokto uh Sochi. Sochi. you see her like right right kind of on a mission right from the start and i was like I, I don't know. It, it, it locked me into place by starting in an intense way like that, as opposed to like something laid back like Ocean's Eleven, you know? Yeah, I was not necessarily, because like obviously I knew what the movie was about, but mm -hmm. I was not necessarily expecting it to be so like propulsive. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously there are lots of scenes of them planning this and a lot of like process stuff of them mm -hmm. assembling the tools and the bombs and like, you know, going out to their like house that they're using as headquarters and stuff. But there are a lot of like, not action scenes but a lot of like very tense sort of it it is a thriller in a lot of ways there's a lot of sort mm -hmm. of like race against the clock like i was not necessarily expecting it not it sounds silly to be like i was not expecting this movie about blowing up an oil pipeline to be <laughs> tense but there are there are like some kind of edge well, it's, it's adapted from it. a non-fictional educational text yeah. it's like yeah right i i was yeah, like you said, as people, uh, lots of other people pointed out too, like was not necessarily expecting the to be able to compare it to Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> so, yeah, and well, so we just to talk about these people a little more specifically and like how it kind of comes together like that. Like they all, like you said, they all have their own motivations. There is a uh, Sasha Lane's Theo. She has kind of grown up next to some like kind of refineries. That's probably gave her like a, a terminal cancer. There is a uh, Forrest Goodluck played by Michael, who you might've seen him, um, you know, as the, as the Leonardo DiCaprio's son in the Revenant. Like I, I was like, where have I seen that guy before? It didn't click to like, uh, right after the movie, Ariel Barrer, who I, I know, oh, Michael, and I should say, Michael is a uh, lives in North Dakota and is a and is of Native American descent and just like has all these like you know like white people like you know building factories all over the land that kind of surrounds him and is kind of bitter about that and is kind of taken to like you know just like trying to uh, egg on those people but also like kind of teach himself stuff about building bombs. Um, Ariel Barrera play, like we said, uh, her character is uh, just like kind of her and uh, Marcus Scribner, um, who people know from Blackish. Blackish, uh, yeah. Which I mean, like, it's, it's, I was like, I know that kid. I, I know that like, face, oh. but he's like put on <laughs> yeah. so much weight since like, Black, since I actually like not a child. Anymore. Right. Like I, I only watched like the first four seasons of Blackish. So like the last time I saw that kid in anything, he was like scrawny still. So it was yeah. like very, very confusing. And I was like, oh, him um good for him uh cool for him that he's like seeking out stuff like this when he's like probably could make good money just being on another sitcom or whatever um he he, he and the um he and the zochi character they're on a college campus that is like uh in some kind of group that is talking about how to make a difference by i think getting the college to divest from some iffy funds if i remember mm -hmm. correctly yeah. something like that 
and everyone's like, and then there's like all of a sudden some other red tape that's going to come around. And then it's like, Oh my God, are we ever going to do anything? And uh, they kind of like connect as being, being like, Hey, maybe we can take this a step further. They seek out uh, and he goes on a little bit of a mission, like kind of recruiting different people. And he, he ends up finding this guy named Dwayne who, who has a family that like is about to get their land taken away by imminent domain from the government, which is kind of because, but you meet Dwayne before you get that well before you get that flashback. Whereas like uh, Zochi and, uh, and Sean are like, you meet them earlier. So it's like, when you see them in the present timeline coming together, like working with Wayne, it's like this guy, like he looks like a stereotypical white guy from Texas. Like why is he an environmental activist? So it's funny to like, mm-hmm. you know, here it's funny to like see what his motivation is. Uh, and then, and then, and then I should say, you also have like this uh, Lucas Gage and Kristen Furseth, who might be the two most recognizable people in this playing like the two most inessential characters in a way. But like, I'm wondering if you think there's more to them, but like they are there and they're kind of just like their own little Bonnie and Clyde thing where they do a bunch of drugs and then they, like our activists. I don't know. It seems like you kind of appreciated though the shading these characters got because one thing I have seen is people saying like they, they not so much how they did the flashbacks, but questioning if the movie even needed them. And I think there maybe is a version of this movie that is effective that doesn't have them. But like it seems like you enjoyed the way that they did it and the way they filled these characters in. Yeah, I think you could do it without, but that's a mm-hmm. then it's a totally different kind of thing. I just I, I appreciated that they all had, like you said, like um Sasha Lane's character has cancer because she grew up you know next to some sort of refinery and then Sochi is like her friend who she grew up with whose mom has just died that is it is implied because of some sort of environmental disaster they say mm-hmm. something like oh it's a freak heat wave and so right. and then and also um Theo's girlfriend is like kind of joins them just because she like cares about yes mm-hmm. and then the Marcus Scribner's character I, the most relatable moment of the movie is him there's like a scene of him in his dorm he's like on the phone with his mom like yeah everything's going great like (laughs) computer's working and he's just like scrolling through twitter reading the most horrifying articles about climate change and i was like who among us well so (laughs) you you and i are i guess in theory of of a slightly older generation maybe than these characters are meant to be and i think a lot of people are like looking at this and being like this is what gen z is like facing and they are feeling it like more acutely than anyone else because they're going to be around for most of it and i'm wondering like and, and I guess I'm curious, like, because again, they, they don't give him much besides like, he's the guy that's just like, consuming all of it in that way. And he doesn't necessarily have that personal connection to it other than like, he's just like, he is probably just afraid for the planet because of everything he sees around it. So it sounds like that, that kind of like, um, angst did resonate with you a little bit. Yeah, well, it's kind of, it made me think a little bit about First Reformed, mm. which is a movie about how if you start thinking about climate change, you'll go insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that, he is the most like that character is what made me think of that of like Mm. the it how it is increasingly impossible to strike any kind of balance between like being informed about what is going on with the environment and not losing your mind Mm. because it's you know it's so horrifying so it's I I appreciate that you know it's a a varied group of people doing this like you said also like Dwayne and I had the same thought when they first caught him I was like now how'd he get it how did he get in this what's what's this guy's (laughs) deal which you know is a stereotype but uh, yeah but I'm, I'm sure i'm sure the government probably does some sketchy shit like that to people's land every now and then so you know i guess uh i guess 
I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't want to presume anything about his politics, but let's just say, you know, maybe before that, he wouldn't have been the kind of guy to blow up a pipeline. So, you know. Perhaps uh, not. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, I, I, I mean, it, it, it was an interesting turn that they got that they got someone like that there. But, like, with, with Sean specifically, like, I guess I, I did kind of appreciate that in a way. Like, it also makes me look inward almost more so than anything else in the movie because I'm someone that doesn't necessarily have a, a personal connection like that, too. And it's like, am I thinking about this stuff the right way? Because, you know, I might, I mean, maybe not so much in the last year because, like I, I mean, I, if, if, if a couple things of mine had to like take a bit of a hit, cause I had a really, really busy, busy overworked year at my job last year, it was probably one watching movies that weren't new releases and two just screwing around online. But in my mm-hmm. average, you know, daily existence, I do screw around and just like sit on Twitter all the time. And it's like, uh, and I, and I, and I live in South Florida and a couple weeks ago, like Fort Lauderdale was underwater from like, just uh-huh. like one, like one day of rain. Like I almost had plans to go meet up with someone down in Fort Lauderdale and then like, it just like didn't happen like maybe more so because of like scheduling issues with that person but like also just like it probably couldn't have happened because it was literally underwater from a non-hurricane event and it's like if i live that close to that kind of stuff like maybe i should be thinking about it a little more and maybe i should like instead of just like having my twitter feed just be like you know sports and movie stuff like maybe i could be like you know thinking about things in a different way not saying it's i'm feeling called to action like the characters in this movie though i guess we can talk a little bit more about like the, where the movie comes down morally but like hey like it's kind of interesting that like the movie manages to be entertaining in its own right but i think it make, can make its audience look inward at the same time which i think is pretty cool yeah i it's interesting i mean i don't know how much i don't know how much you want to spoil it but uh, yeah, I was going to kind of like, I was, I think I was thinking actually, maybe we could, I don't do that at that much anymore, but this is actually a pretty good cutoff point for something where you can spoil something like that. So, um, I think like we've already kind of talked it pretty talked, talked at length about like the things that like, you know, you say without spoiling it. And I think we enjoyed most of these people's performances and like thought it was really propulsive. So, you know, people can jump off now and just go support this movie. Cause it's pretty interesting. It got a big release, uh, you know, wh- whatever that means, like we can talk about it a little more, but like it did. So like go support it while you can. Cause I think I'm going to be able to get this episode out while it's still in theaters but where, where is your mind going there that may or may not be spoiler territory oh well i mean it is spoiler if we're we're, gonna no, spoil- we're, we're doing it we're doing it that's okay, why okay, i just that's well, why i just that's why i did that little summation of it. okay well spoiler they blow up yeah. the pipeline yes um, <laughs> they i was a little bit surprised that they they do it and mm. they pull it off basically as planned and mm-hmm. some of the characters face consequences but most of them don't because they have plan. you know they have engineered this plan to where a couple of them will take the blame and you know the the cops will think that they were the only ones who were involved and it 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 was kind of like oh weird I don't want to call the ending uplifting because there's you know there's nothing uplifting about any of the characters situations but I was kind of surprised like oh they did it like (laughs) you thought you thought they were gonna like have some creative way of like I'm sure you were enjoying the movie up to that point but you thought maybe there was gonna be some creative way of it not happening well the thing about movies like heist movies or like crime movies although I don't know if that's how I would want to classify this one is like something always goes awry Mm -hmm. like and this basically uh, there's a they're trying to there's a part where they're trying to lift a barrel up to attach it to the pipeline and Mm -hmm. one of the straps breaks and the one woman's leg gets broken and you kind of think like oh this is the end of the plan but they fix it And it kind of goes off without a hitch. It was just not someone. Someone. Expecting. Someone does get shot. Um, someone does get shot. So, so he survives. Well, survives. Yeah. So I, I guess I. I wasn't so much surprised they blew it up so much as I was. I was expecting someone to die. You know, and that was kind of the surprising thing to me. I'm curious because again, like 
I guess I'm, I'm happy I didn't say it in like a non-spoiler territory because it is a little surprising because they do the flashback for uh, Logan and Rowan fairly late in the movie. Mm-hmm. And you see her kind of like get out of jail pretty quickly after they're after they were caught doing something. I don't even really remember what. And uh, just breaking into some place to probably do it some was another of, like, protest. Act. Yeah, but yeah. because it was federal property, she was going to go to jail for like 20 years. Right. So it, it's like it's like implied that like she maybe cut some kind of deal with them, but the movie doesn't address it till like the very end after she's already gotten in the car. And you think maybe she's selling them out. And then after that, there's another revelation where it's like that was the plan all along. We just didn't see that part of it. I was curious, what mm-hmm. do you thought about that choice? If that felt a little too clean and convenient and you wanted there to be more of a consequence to their actions or if, like it seems like it's almost like kind of unexpected in a way in a, in a maybe a surprising way that like the movie, you know, upends your expectations and that it doesn't really have any like like serious expectations beyond the fact that like they felt the need to like sacrifice a couple of these people, but one of them was terminally ill anyway. Well, I mean, that is a classic heist movie thing to be like, actually you thought that was the twist, but the twist is that another thing was happening on top of that. I think, I think that's the right decision to withhold Mm -hmm. their story for last or almost last Mm -hmm. because it's a different movie. If you have them up front, it's probably a less interesting movie. Like you said, to be like, because then you're um, spending a lot of it thinking about her motivations the whole time these white people who are kind of dabbling in protest because there's another line where she says to him like call his dad's lawyer i call your dad's lawyer and he's like well i didn't she's like but you could Mm -hmm. like you know it's it's more interesting and i think more effective to focus on the people for whom it is more life and death like in in theo's case literally because she's dying and in michael's case because you know that these oil workers are like ruining the land that his people are from but it's you know they are sort of the ones who are more on the outside of it yeah and i guess i was wondering like do you think they served a good do you think that do you think that not that they were essential to the movie but do you did you think they served a, a worthwhile enough purpose for the screen time they got because they, they probably did have the least amount of screen time and it's like is there something to be said for like just like you know the fact that like, hey, maybe some of these movements might not always have serious people in them, or maybe people like that come from like well-off backgrounds like them can't afford to dabble in it. And this is what it looks like. Did you, mm-hmm. did you at least get something out of their presence? Because I could see some people being like, why, why are we even spending any time with them? Well, I did like the performances. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I like all of the performances in this mm-hmm. movie a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, I think it was worthwhile because, you know, like I was saying with the other characters, like it's, it's a different perspective and it's it's one of those things where at a certain point it doesn't matter why somebody is doing this like when you get down to I mean it does matter why they're doing it but it's like at a certain point all these people were or most of them were basically strangers when they started it and like Mm. it might be interesting to them to know where the other person is coming from but it doesn't matter to them in the moment so you know that is the kind of person who could be involved with this kind of action so Mm-hmm. I, I understand having them in there. Yeah, and, and you might have to like just because of that, you it's 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 an interesting different layer to what they have to go through and beyond just the the science challenges of it all or the you know the logistical challenges of it all. It's like one more thing you have to count for and the fact that like I think they had planned to like keep it a more straight laced affair, but then they do have a sequence where they just all get drunk together. Mm-hmm. And it's like in in in, in like you know, in, in like kind of in theory that could like cause some problems it, it doesn't really you get the, an interesting scene where it's like uh they're they're debating like so are we terrorists yeah <laughs> and, uh, like i i i thought it was actually pretty funny to like watch them bat that idea around 
and like and how that kind of like challenges the audience as to like how they're feeling about this like i'm curious like by even like posing that question within the movie itself uh and then the the way it kind of like posits these characters as people that really don't want someone to get hurt like the 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 the, uh the logan character like i mean goes to like get shot basically because they want to stop some other people from dying like these people at the end of the day the movie makes it very clear that like they do not want to hurt people and uh and 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 has the characters go to great lengths to avoid that uh but at the same time like it i i think it's like it, it morally it, it probably morally really is not objecting to just about like anything you're doing like how how did that ultimately sit with you like where were the movie's morals and politics kind of came down because like i don't think it's necessarily like a challenging the audience to have that kind of call to action but i think it definitely wants you to think about like hey is there like something more to that could be done if the alternative is like you know legislation that might just die yeah i mean i don't know I mean, I think that has been some of the debate around this movie is that mm-hmm. people are being like, it's not asking enough of the audience. It's not going far enough. And then there are people who are like, I'm not really sure what this movie's politics are. And then it's like, well, can it, can a, you know, a, a narrative film really like this really have any kind of impact? Mm. I think for me, it was less like approving or disproving of their actions and more just understanding why somebody would feel compelled to do this yeah whether than saying like this is the solution or not the solution which for some people maybe is not enough like maybe they want more of a hard like message of like this is what this is the correct way to approach this but i, th- I think that's right and I th- I'm, I'm glad the movie exists in this format you know like i i hear that like hey is it too mainstream to like if it's playing at the regal in the cinemark and the amc but at the same time, like, I think it's cool that, like, Neon found a way to get a movie with this title, with this subject matter, like, in that many theaters. I support that, and I'm, like, I'm glad it happened. And, yeah, maybe there's an even, like, more radical version of this. I think the filmmakers feel, probably feel pretty clear-eyed in, in what their politics are, but I don't think it's, like, trying to shame anyone that's not quite there. I think they're just, like, we, this is the story we felt passionate about. We want to make it happen, and I... I think it's cool that it's not it's it's something that like they're trying to get to more people. I mean, it'll I guess reach the right people that it wants to reach, even if like because like you know if it was just like we're only going to play it like small indie theaters, like it it's just like a lot of people wouldn't have the chance to see it, like including my and probably including myself. So I I appreciate that they made that effort, and I don't necessarily think like they're too mainstream by going in that direction. I think it's like look, we we, we worked hard on this. We we want to show it to the masses and. I, I personally think that's fine because if like you're gonna criticize them for that, then like I don't know. I, I think it's good to provoke these thoughts in a lot of people, you know. If nothing else, I'm not saying everyone needs to go out and do this, but I think it's a good thing to be exposed to. And so I appreciate that they even did it to that extent. Yeah, I um, mean, it's definitely like I hope people see it just because you know it's an important uh, subject to think about, and also it is just like a fun movie. Like it is. If you it, like, it's, it's, I know, it, and it sounds so funny to say that, but it's true. It is. If you like heist movies, this is a good one. Yeah, you don't you don't have to think about the politics. You can just go enjoy the task because, like, you see, like, the, you really do see as as much as we're talking about the broader politics and the characters. There's so like, much like process stuff, right? Of how you pull this off. That's really the bulk of it, and it's like pretty cool. And like you, like you literally see people going to like hardware stores to like buy the stuff that's ultimately going to like. 
be the be the thing for this. Like, I mean, you know, I guess it's implied that Sean like might have taken a circuits class at school, so he's able to like help with the wiring, and Michael helps with like the 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 act the actual rest of the bomb assembly, and like you know, it, it it does take some level of like knowledge and expertise, but like, and it's not really giving you chemical equations, which I appreciate. I didn't need that, but it's like it makes it very clear just like how much planning must go into something like this, and how like the smallest thing like a strap, like when you're like could like cause it all to go into flux. You and know. that and having so much emphasis on the lengths they have to go to to plan it shows that like this is not a decision that was taken lightly you know this is something that is in their mind a necessary action uh, you know that like it yeah it's, it's, it's like a moral, it's a moral imperative for them yeah so like it's it's fun to see it all come together but it also is like you know very serious to them that this is this is what they have to do yeah, uh, we mentioned uh, Marcus Scribner a little bit, and uh, but like that was mostly it. I think we talked about as far as like performances. Was there was there anyone else you were particularly uh, taken by, or just like appreciated what they were doing here? I, like I said, I liked everybody. Yeah. I I really did, I, I don't know the actor's name um, who played Dwayne. I was because I was kind of he's like a soap opera guy. Like, is he? His name's Jake Weary. I, I didn't know him, and I had seen a lot of the other actors and other things as we mm-hmm. kind of mentioned but i i think because i was kind of surprised by that character the way you know the way that like you said you're not necessarily sure what this guy's politics are apparently he has like he... a small role in it in it chapter two i don't recall that and right. I'm, I'm assuming it's a movie see. you did not see yeah but no. he's like so he's like on like the he's on that show animal kingdom apparently and like was oh on yeah like, which i've never watched was on like a season of pretty little liars which i never watched and then like you know it looks like Mostly like uh, as the world turns. Uh, so good That's for him so for like you know working his way into something like this. Um, yeah, no, I, I I appreciated that. It was interesting. He he has to do his own thing when he like goes to that bar and like blends in with those people and like I he really had to do some real acting there. I, I was impressed by that. Uh, I I wanted to hi- highlight Forrest Goodluck again. I thought that character mm-hmm, was just like good. he was like boiling with like rage the entire freaking movie in a way that like in like a couple times like snaps, but like for the most part, it's like he's like barely containing it in a way that's like very compelling. I had forgotten too until I just went back and looked again. Uh, he was actually he was in the Miseducation of Cameron Post, and mm-hmm. I forgot that's about that. That's what I knew him yeah. from. Yeah, no, I I I I I I thought I only knew him from the Reverend, but I saw that movie which uh which uh, Sasha Lane was also in. Mm-hmm. Um, and like and she and she's like randomly pops up in like things every now and then like i mean i i you know it's funny i was like i think american honey was maybe the third movie i saw at my theater that's about to die so uh it's kind of sad for me but like i've actually seen like a ton of thing a, a decent amount of stuff she's in because she was in uh she was in loki and she was in um she was in uh i saw that hellboy movie i actually did a podcast on it, it wasn't great uh i think she survived it though oh, I you forgot know about that one yeah and then she was in hearts beat loud the brett haley movie which i quite mm-hmm. enjoyed um, so I, I, she, she pops up in a lot of stuff and like, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's a lot of heavy lifting that her and, uh, Ariel Barrera have to do like, you know, with what those characters are going through and what they mean to each other. And, uh, and like, I, again, like they are, I mean, they're there to, uh, you know, like they have their own motivations and the way it kind of goes for them at the end. Like, I mean, I was like, th- like you said, that I guess that is a kind of a twist you get at the end of a heist movie, but like, I thought it was still pretty pretty moving and like she's a good enough actor that she could really pull off that you'd buy that like you know she might want to do something that drastic and be angered by like being uh, having it what happened to her happen to her um yeah i uh trying to think was there anything else i, I was gonna say mm, you know as uh I, like we talked about with like the the christopher seth and lucas gage characters like i while yes the movie's probably fine without them like i i, I appreciated their energy i'll say that much uh-huh. Yeah, no, they're. I, I really liked those performances too. They're all good. Like you could, you could say that any of 
any of these actors gave your favorite performance and I would be like, good choice. Like they were all- It's just a cool collection of people great. like wherever yeah. they went and got them from. Cause like Aerial Library had been like on that Marvel's Runaway show and that was like about it. Like, and like I, and it's just like, okay. Like, and she like wrote and produced this thing too. Like, it's pretty cool that like they just, someone from that background, like was featured that prominently in something like this. Um, and, uh, and, you know, just good, good for, good for them for like bringing together such an interesting cast and like, just, you know, telling a movie, like it, it, making this movie in such an entertaining way when it really didn't have any business being that, um, Hannah, anything else about how to blow up a pipeline? We didn't already talk about that you wanted to touch on. Um, I just want to mention that I think this is the only movie I've ever seen, or at least the only like mainstream movie um, that mm. starts with a land acknowledgement that they, mm. you know, make sure to acknowledge. Did yours have that? That yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. trying to think. I, I feel like I've seen something like that before, but I'm not sure. I couldn't remember if I had, but mm. it was definitely this is definitely like the biggest thing that I'd seen that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I yeah. You know, acknowledge you know, the like, land that like, it is set on and where they filmed. Yeah. I don't recall wind river having something like that at the beginning, but like, I want I, maybe could have, I don't know. I will be very curious to see uh, if they, if uh, you know, uh, Martin Scorsese's uh, kills the fire moon has something like that at the beginning. Cause I, that is like treading on some very, very similar territory. Uh, yeah. Literally. Uh, I'm, but yeah, no, I, I, I guess, kudos to them for doing that because you know like just in going there with that thought i mean obviously i think they they did right by the uh they did right by the michael character too you know i just think i always appreciate it when you can when you know there's something more than just a stereotype to like native characters like that mm -hmm. like i mean we're, we're getting a little better with that because you know like reservation dogs has gotten two seasons that's a great show and like other you know other entertainment but like you know just it, uh i think i think it shows that their their, their priorities were we're definitely in the right place. It's it's always good to see something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do anything. I don't think I had anything else. Again, uh, people go support this movie. I think we're going to have this episode out when you have plenty of time to go see it and you can tell other people too. though. Again, we're kind of in the spoiler section, so, you know, whatever, but like, you know, uh, go, go get your friends to see it. It's, it's cool that like a movie like this can get made. Uh, uh, Hannah, before we get out of here, anything else you've been watching recently, you want to plug for people? Oh, what are some good movies that I've seen? I, I, I can I can go first if you want to think about it for a second. Yeah, you go so, first. So I so I I uh you know I know this isn't something that's gonna um you know uh jump up on your list, but like I'm doing an episode on um the Evil Dead Rise on Thursday on Wednesday. I've never really seen that many Sam Raimi movies, and I watched like the first two Evil Dead movies. I was a little disoriented as being the second one because like I didn't realize it was like a it was just a remake of the first one that with more resources and done in a better way. I quite enjoyed that. I have not seen the new one yet, but we will have an episode on it soon. So I would like to direct people to that. I also saw Kelly Reichardt showing up, which is like, she's, she's a director I really enjoy, but like jealous that's not out here yet. Oh, uh, like I, I, I drove 30 minutes for it on this, on the same day. Like that, that, that was a, that, that was my double feature of the actual days I went to the <laughs> movies is I, I went, I went, I went, I went 30 minutes just to see that and how to blow up a pipeline in at the same theater. And, uh, it was, it was worth it. But like, I mean, maybe not my favorite of her movies, but like still a lot to appreciate from it. And, uh, a, a filmmaker that deserves our, deserves our support. So see showing up and, uh, evil dead rise to have your own double feature. Uh, Hannah, anything else you've been watching recently, movie or TV, you'd like to tell people to check out. Oh, movie or TV. Well, movie, I, uh, did you see Return to Soul? No, is that, oh, that, that came to streaming finally, right? Um, well, I managed to see it in a theater finally, but it was one of those movies where that, like, it was technically a 2022 release because it played in New York for, like, a week or whatever, but then mm. didn't get any kind of wide release until mm. uh, April. So I saw that a couple weeks ago. Very good. That was one uh, that I, it was an Os a foreign language film Oscar submission, but wasn't nominated but um, it's a movie about a young woman who was adopted 
from Korea and raised in France who goes back right. to Korea under kind of mysterious circumstances. And it takes place over several years and it goes some places that you are not necessarily expecting, but I'm always interested in stories about adoption because of some stuff in my own family. And also just, it's a very compelling subject and there's a, has a really great um, lead performance. So I would recommend that if anybody has not seen it. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, yeah, our, my friend, my friend Ben plugged it on the podcast at some point. It might've made his 2022 top 10. If he counted it for that, I can't remember. He's talked about it a couple of times and I, I it's one I want to see. I think it probably is streaming at this point. And I just forgot it, I, it was never playing around me. So I, I appreciate the reminder because I will make it happen at some point. So, uh, but yeah, uh, th that's it for today. Uh, as usual, you can find me on Twitter and letterbox at Josh Chernovoy, J O S H J U R N O V O Y. Hannah, your letterbox, uh, Hannah GC, correct? Yeah, that's right. And, yeah, so yeah, and uh, so yeah, you follow Hannah there. Uh, she always appreciate her thoughts. I'm so glad that she was uh, happy to join us for this very fun double feature of two uh, very uh, thematically coherent films. Very normal uh, double feature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I and I, I hope everyone else uh, goes and supports these movies. I want to thank everyone for listening. Coming up next on the podcast, I'm gonna have episodes on, like I said, on Evil Dead Rise on. On Bo, on Bo is afraid, and I mean, uh, and probably at this point we're we're going to be a week away from Guardians of the Galaxy three, which I mean, you know, uh, it's just almost sad for me to say because I saw the last one in my theater's IMAX, and my theater will no longer be around at the time that happens. I'm doing okay, I promise. Everyone. Rip. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, thanks again to Hannah for joining. Thanks to all of you for listening, and we'll see you next time.